Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Today, following the advice of Manitoba's chief provincial public health officer, we are announcing that Manitoba's K-12 schools will have their in-school classes suspended indefinitely for this school year. If prior to the regularly scheduled conclusion of the school year, the public health officer determines that it is safe to reopen our schools, then we would eagerly welcome our students back. Dr. John Murray, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you there, Hal. It's very good to be here today. Thank you for doing this. You were great last time we had you on, and, and now it looks like, uh, based on that, that the homeschooling will continue. Any uh, advice? Parents are a couple of weeks into this, and while some, I think, are, are doing okay with it, I'm hearing from some listeners, others are struggling. Yes. Uh, since the last time we spoke, it's given me an opportunity to uh, do some wide-ranging uh, thinking on this help. But just before we we begin, I just simply want to mention that there was something in the press release uh, that really caught my attention, and I think it's a really important consideration. Sure, go ahead. The overall plan is oriented towards the future, and we'll learn how to modernize education through our response to this situation. Uh, that is a, an excellent and a very positive manner in which we can look at this. So, so here we are. Uh, we would essentially be having March break or spring break at about this time, so uh, within about a week to 10 days, uh, we now have a situation that will be unprecedented for a lot of homes. So, uh, yes, that there is much to be had here. And so I, I'm hoping that what we might be able to do today is to um, point parents and caregivers in certain directions that will be really helpful. And also to recognize that uh, this is a very, very new situation for all of us. And we're going to struggle at the beginning, uh, but we're going to be making it through. And I, I definitely want you to get into that. I want, I want you to talk to parents and, and kids out there that, that might be listening. But back to your point from the news release from the province. Speak to that. What do you think they're getting at there? That I mean, listen, COVID-19, this pandemic and, and homeschooling, working from home, all the stuff that's come with it, I think is going to change many things in our day-to-day lives. I guess that's what you and the province are getting at uh, in that news release. How might all this change education, do you think? In, in terms of how it will change education, that it might be some time before we realize that. But what we might want to do is seize this opportunity to modernize an, an education system that is terribly, terribly out of date. Uh, perhaps our hand has been forced. And, and in terms of the sustainability of the education system, we now know uh, that a, a virus pandemic can essentially bring big systems like this to its knees in a, in a matter of weeks. So uh, this, is, this is certainly going to be changing systems, and perhaps we may end up with a system that is much more organic, uh, much perhaps smaller in scale. It may be more community-focused and home-focused. Um, it's too early to tell how the system will change. But boy, this is really, really beginning to look like a massive game changer for education uh, as we go forward. Yeah, and while, uh, you know, the school year has been suspended indefinitely, and as the minister said there, hey, if for some reason we're, a lot, we're, we're able to bring kids back before the end of the school year, we'll do that. But it doesn't feel to me like that's going to happen. So let's, uh, let's say homeschooling continues for a while. Since last time we talked, you said you've given this a lot of thought. Tell us what you've come up with. Moms and dads and kids are listening. Okay. 
And if this might be helpful uh, for many of your listeners, I've gathered together a a number of resource connections that I could easily pass along to you folks at CGOB that could be made available uh, as uh, links uh, if if it might be something that would be really workable for uh, for parents. But first of all, uh, and this is going back to our discussion of of a few days uh, back, Hal, it's going to be a recognition that what we might want to do right now is recognize that the coming week is essentially going to be spring break, and we should probably treat it as such. Uh, but from a parenting perspective and also from, from our kids' perspective, we have to start looking towards uh, the earliest part of April as an opportunity to begin to look at how, how the school structure is going to be based uh, out of home. And so maybe just to reiterate a couple of those uh, points that I think really should be considered uh, at the home level is to, is to establish uh, within the home uh, a learning space that is going to be the home classroom, uh, certainly interior. But maybe as we begin to go forward in, in the coming weeks, we'll probably also be able to introduce at least near to home uh, the outdoor uh, classroom uh, because of the fact that we, we have uh, spring very much upon us and that and that brings a lot of those exterior uh, elements uh, into play. Now, for the, for the busy parent who is trying to establish a, a balance between their work life at home and an educational balance uh, with their kids, it's very much going to demand some planning and some structure. And what might be recommended is, is to recognize that, that the kids have had in place for a number of months now many, many routines that they're accustomed to at school. You know, certain of those, uh, particularly things such as when will we have a break for some recess time? Uh, when will we will have a, an opportunity to actually sit down and, and eat breakfast and eat lunch as a family? Uh, this could be something that could be a, a, a real positive. And that morning space, that, that morning space uh, after breakfast up until uh, the lunch hour uh, should be a, a time where there's uh, more of a formal look at, at things in terms of keeping that process going forward, whether you're a young kid in grade three or whether you're a student in grade 12 and still pushing through on your applied math and your pre-calculus. Let me ask you a question here, um, John. You know, leading before today, before this announcement from the province this morning, parents were looking at two or three weeks. Now they could be looking at two or three months of homeschooling if they're going to continue it on to the normal end of what would have been the school year. At two or three weeks, I think parents, moms, and dads say, all right, we'll 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 take that on, we'll figure it out. Now they're looking at maybe two or three months, and that has to be daunting for many parents. Uh, very daunting. And, and here's where a, a great deal of the inter-responsibility between uh, parents, uh, teachers, and the school divisions is going to be very important. Uh, I've already been talking to uh, some teacher friends of mine who have already begun the process, you know, rather independently. They've begun the process of establishing uh, links between their kids and and the teacher as a preparation for this, you know, essentially setting up in some very creative ways that virtual classroom. Uh, I'm really hoping that the school divisions will eventually be able to be in a situation where as many teachers as possible will be able to interact uh, with their students, whether they be in small groups, uh, whether it be one-on-one opportunities uh, where possible, just so that we can begin to bring some semblance of a normal school day to the situation and relieve some of that burden uh, that the parents are going to be carrying. 
you know, we have a we have a large cohort of very talented and very able teachers in the province of Manitoba, and I'm certain that they are already thinking about how they can begin to move into that virtual space in in some manner. It will take some weeks, Hal, before we begin to see how this is really going to sort itself out. But there there is very much a public responsibility, uh, and essentially that all hands on deck. We we now have to be much much more cooperative in the educational process of our kids. We, it's just simply not going to be uh, the kids are at the door of the school and then six hours later, yes, I can come and pick up my kids and they've all been well taken care of. It's going to be much, much more inter- interactive. It's going to be much more hour by hour by hour. And seeing how the school divisions are going to articulate this uh, through their teachers and then eventually to the homes is going to be a really important consideration to see how that plays itself out. Uh, that the parents and the caregivers how can't just be left uh, alone in this. It's going to be very much uh, a situation where we're going to need the intervention of the specialists at the same time. Yeah, you know, John, I don't have kids, but I was one a very long time ago. And just a few thoughts uh, that I'm having right now. Um, I wonder if parents after this, if parents maybe will be more involved in their kids' education. That might be a positive that comes from this. And I know you're not a kid either, but speak to this if you can. The kids are missing their friends. They're missing research uh, recess. They're missing all those opportunities to connect with their friends and classmates. What do we do about that? And maybe speak to kids in grade 12 that now, uh, you know, their final year in high school uh, is incomplete, and uh, we don't know uh, what's going to happen with their graduate. There's just so much here, John. I don't know. Final thoughts, final minute or two from you, and and then we'll have to save the rest for another time. Okay. Well, my my final thought on this is let's give ourselves uh, this next week uh, as the spring break to begin to sort this out on on the home front. And there are many, many resources that are available for parents uh, if they want to begin that process uh, in, uh, online, particularly through uh, organizations such as the Manitoba Association for Schooling at Home uh, that for many, many years has been very much involved in, in the whole business of, of having good opportunities uh, within a, a homeschooling environment. Uh, Manitoba Education and Training, for example, has many, many opportunities uh, available to begin that process of that planning. And, and so I've done some of the background work on that. And if, it was, if it's helpful in any manner to some of your uh, viewers out there, I'd be happy to send this along to you electronically. And maybe there might be some manner in which uh, certain of these might be made available through through, uh, through chorus and through CJOB. Uh, well, I'll tell uh, you what. I was giving that some. Uh, I was giving that some thought. You mentioned that earlier, and here's what we'll do, John. Email me a few of your favorite links if you can. You know, send me three or four of your favorite links. Hal at CJOB dot com, and I'll get those on my social media feeds and very likely the CGOB social uh, media feeds as well. But if you can email those to me, I'll get them up on my social media feeds. I talk about those a lot on the air, and people can can find them there. How's that sound? It sounds great. And If I may, uh, one last, I think, real urgency uh, for sure. parents and caregivers. Uh, find a way to make direct content uh, contact rather with the classroom teachers of your child or of your children to open up that discussion about how we're going to proceed, because it's going to be very different for kids in, say, K-4, to 
uh, as it is going to be for our high school uh, students and, and what they are facing. And so it, I think it'll be a, a very important consideration for, for that conversation to happen as quickly as possible right during the spring break time so that that virtual classroom can begin to take shape. And there's a kind of inter-responsibility across parents uh, and our school divisions uh, and the teaching community. John, thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Hal. Jerry Desjardins. Jerry, the medic. Jerry, good afternoon. Afternoon, Hal. So uh, we went long with the curriculum expert there, but, you know, they've suspended uh, school in Manitoba indefinitely, so we had to go a little longer on that. So I'm going to have you back soon, okay? But I okay. did want to ask you a couple of things. You uh, are, well, the word expert doesn't cover it. Uh, you teach uh, first aid. We've talked before about your long resume. Now is, a, I think, and more with COVID-19, the pandemic and the stress on hospitals, and that could get worse. We have to wait and see here in the province of Manitoba and in the city of Winnipeg. But first aid now at home is even more important, I think. Wouldn't you agree? Of course, because after you've taken a first aid course, studies have shown that 8 out of 10 times you are using that knowledge on a loved one. So the household is full of loved people now. And uh, you've got people cooking, you have people cleaning, you've got people, you know, kids running around the house, inside and outside, and at any time you could have a first aid emergency. Right, and there might be something that's not major, uh, but maybe it's something that in the past you would have gone to a hospital or your doctor about, but now you, you don't want to do that, you don't want to put that stress uh, on the system. If you have to, you do, but you hope you don't have to, and maybe uh, some home first aid uh, takes care of the problem. Of course, and it uh, makes sense to have a first aid kit um, for whatever size population you have in the house, or say even at a workplace, because they're required by law. And, uh, you know, you want to know what contents are in it. You want to make sure the contents are fresh because after a while, some of the kits, uh, we've opened up some older first aid kits and opened up a gauze pad and it's just like flour, like dust coming out of the package. It's so uh, disintegrating. So you want to make sure your kit's up to date and current. I mean, using a paper towel and duct tape can only go so far to uh, stop someone that's having a bleed. Yeah, right. Um, you, We hear provincial uh, health officials and really health officials from all over the world give us all the great information and, you know, the rules that we all need to follow through this. Anything that you've seen or that you want to comment on here for 30 seconds or, or a minute before I, I have to let you go? Well, even more than ever now, uh, we have to practice more barrier protection, more layers of protection, uh, more universal precautions. So with a face mask, uh, with glasses, with uh, examination gloves, even maybe wearing the blue uh, gowns, the yellow gowns that you see on TV, all the healthcare professionals are wearing in that, uh, we want to layer up because every time you add a layer, you inc- you're, you're decreasing the risk of you catching something from someone. Yeah, and that's obviously what we're trying to avoid right now. We do not want to catch uh, COVID-19. We found out uh, from the province today uh, seven new cases for 103 in total. And um, I just wanted to mention this. You're a part of Accurate uh, Fire and Safety at 111 Coal, and you have some equipment there for home and office, workplace uh, stuff. Uh, maybe just let people know a few things that you have, and, and the address again is 111 Coal. I know a lot of people are looking for lots of different things like first aid kits, and you've got them there at Accurate. 
Yes, we have uh, small personal first aid kits in stock. We have uh, 1 to 16 person kits in stock, 1 to 25 person, 1 to 75. Uh, we have CPR masks either in the hard case or in the soft case that you can wear on your key ring or on your belt. And, um, of course, we have fire extinguishers here as well, too. We have escape ladders. Um, so, I mean, we're, you know, full fire safety and yeah. first aid products as well, too. I mean, just uh, a couple of days ago, I was walking around to a bunch of different big box stores, and they were sold out of any size first aid kits, and a lot of gauze and tape and bandages, uh, band-aids were sold out as well, too. So we do have a decent supply uh, right now. Well, and you know what? We've got a first aid kit here, and, and I'll tell you, it's... Um uh, I said to Jackie the other day, definitely going to be doing things different in the future after we get through this pandemic. And I, I think a lot of people maybe don't have a first aid kit, for example, and they're thinking, hey, we should probably get one because you may have to, depending on how long this goes on, you may have to you know, deal with some things at home where possible. Jerry, thanks a lot for this. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to give the phone number for accurate here right away. But again, the address is 111 Cole. And I promise next time I'll have you on longer and we'll get more into the the first aid and, and the medical stuff, all right? Very good. Thanks, Al. I appreciate the opportunity. Jerry Desjardins, Jerry the Medic. And again, that uh, company that he works with is Accurate Fire and Safety, Accurate Fire and Safety, 111 Cole. And the phone number, if you want to call and see if they have what you're looking for, is 668-9930, 668 Right now, Sean Jeffrey, the executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant Association. Sean, good afternoon. Captain Hell, how are you? Excellent. Um, I have not seen anything from the province, but you and I have been talking, and I believe you have some news for us. Uh, yeah, the uh, province has uh, has implemented uh, legislation, or will be implementing temporary legislation to allow the delivery of alcohol from restaurants. And I know public um, services and sorry through third party and pick up and delivery. Yeah, and I know you've been uh, pushing for this. Your members have been pushing for it online. There have been petitions out there for this because uh, right now, uh, restaurant owners, restaurant tours, they need this opportunity for uh, that additional income, don't they? Well, absolutely, especially with uh, you know with the emergency measures that came in this week that will be implemented uh, tomorrow. And mandatory closure of uh, dining rooms. Um, you know, we we need we need uh, an additional revenue source. This is an additional line of revenue that uh, all restaurants that are licensed can participate in. And uh, while everybody's at home uh, doing their best to self isolate and flatten the curve, um, they should be able to enjoy that entire dining experience. That includes uh, you know a bottle of wine or a bottle of their favorite beer that they would get normally at their restaurant. So tomorrow, uh, all dining rooms at restaurants will shut. Any idea how many restaurants in Winnipeg or Manitoba, how many of your members were continuing to practice social distancing and keeping their dining rooms open? Any any idea, a percentage or a, or a number, Sean? Yeah, it was about 15%. Um, 15% of restaurants were remaining, uh, keeping their dining rooms open and then uh, following, obviously, the social distancing guidelines outlined by the province. Um, but uh, we knew this was coming. We knew it was inevitable. It's following suit with other provinces that... Uh, Obviously, we're a little bit behind the other provinces and the actual curve itself. So we knew this was coming, but uh, and we were prepared because most of our restaurants had uh, already adopted this uh, this um, 
practice uh, by themselves and without being, you know, requested by the provincial government. So, um, but yeah, the remaining, that remaining 15% and a lot of rural restaurants. So a lot of restaurants in rural Manitoba and rural communities and stuff, it was a little bit higher, probably closer to 30, 40%. Hey, you and I have talked before uh, at the beginning of all this about uh, measures that your members were taking, restaurants and and other food services were taking uh, with the pandemic. And, of course, we know that restaurants are highly regulated for cleanliness, have been in the past. Uh, I still see once in a while a a text message or an email from somebody concerned about ordering food, having it delivered, or or picking it up, takeout. Just speak to that and, and put people at ease as to uh, the precautions that are being taken by your members? Well, you know, restaurants are obviously already, con- you know, consistently follow stringent guidelines for sanitation procedures. But, um, you know, to be all honest with you, it, you know, you look at the heightened awareness that we're, we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis now, uh, restaurant tours are taking that and, and even taking it to the next level, um, especially when you, you know, you're limiting yourself to you know, a one-line revenue you got to make sure that you're following that, you know, that line to the T and they are, you know, they're really taking this seriously. They understand what the difference is between, um, you know, following proper procedures and what the outcomes can be if we don't. So um, I can assure you that uh, restaurants that are participating in takeout and delivery are taking all the necessary precautions, uh, you know, we're communicating with them, both members and non-members regularly through our blog, through our website, through communications to the government of Manitoba to make sure that they're aware of every potential precaution they need to take and whether it's, you know, making sure that they're using the proper takeout containers, making sure they're delivering the food with limited contact, you know, know, responding to those social distancing guidelines when it comes to delivering the food and handing it over. Um, And, uh, and they need to, uh, you know, be aware that, uh, that we're, it's that peace of mind here because we want to make sure that everybody, all our patients are safe. And that's why the restaurants took the, the, the necessary steps far before the provincial government required it to, you know, protect their staff and their patrons is because they really, they do, uh, they did want to make sure that uh, they were had the utmost uh, safety out there for the patrons and guests. So, I was talking to Jonathan Allward at the Canadian Federation of Independent <laughs> Business the other day about businesses in general and how they're uh, dealing with all this. And as you know, I've got a few friends in the restaurant business. I was chatting with them last night, mm-hmm. knowing that I was yeah. going to talk to you today. I mean, these are stressful times for these. Uh, restaurant uh, owners and operators speak to that. I I know some that not only are just trying to get through this, but they are worried they may not survive beyond this. Yeah, you know what the reality is is that um, you know there's such such tight and we talk about it in the past uh, the tight margins that are in restaurants and um, you know what when it comes to the end of the month and that rent is due, um, you know that that that's a big stress. Um, you know I have to say I'm very proud of our uh, of our industry here in Manitoba and how they've been handling it. Uh, you know, their number one priority has been, uh, you know, getting food out safe. Their number two priority is making sure that their staff have jobs as much as possible. And they're putting themselves as the number five, six, 10, 15 priority in this. So, um, which is just, it's mind blowing because it, it's such a tight business. And, uh, and as you know, and as your friends would know, anybody you know is in the restaurant industry, it's a very tough industry to make a go of it to start off with. So, um, just to see what measures uh, these operators are taking to make sure that their patrons are taken, you know, seriously, their safety is serious, and taking care of their employees is, is just mind-boggling. But the reality is, is that there's uh, it's, it's a tough go, and uh, and you know we're all we're all working together to make sure everybody works together to try to make sure that our industry uh, remains the same for future. 
How helpful is this wage subsidy that Ottawa has announced? I mean, it's helpful, I guess. But then at the same time, when many of your staff members are not working because the dining room's closed, you can't subsidize their wage when they're not working, right? Well, you know, yeah, you're taking away 80% of their ability to make business. And and there's, uh, although delivery and pickup is, you know, our main source of revenue now, um, a lot of restaurants are still fully closed because when you don't have the proper setup to have de- delivery and takeout, and you've never had that in the past, implementing that process is quite quite tough. And it's it's quite tough to adapt your processes within your restaurant to to be able to offer those those services because you're you just never had it before, right? So now you're trying to find uh, you know work for for these employees to do to when there's no work to be done. So it's it's a tough it's a tough balance. I know a lot of restaurants are using this time to to have their staff remain in, in employed to get maintenance done and get the restaurant done, get renovations done, painting. And, and, you know, key thing with the liquor delivery too is an ability to bring back potentially some of those servers to be able to deliver food because they're already certified to, to handle alcohol. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a good, uh, good opportunity for restaurants to, to utilize some of those uh, servers again, uh, doing that type of service for the restaurant. I was talking to an education expert earlier in the show, and he was saying, yeah, you know, education may change in in some ways uh, as we go through this. And after we're through this, what about the restaurant biz? Do you think more people might say, hey, I got to beef up my delivery uh, option in the future? Um, you know, not knowing whether this is going to turn into a, a cyclical pandemic or, you know, I, I just wonder, will there be changes in the restaurant biz, do you think, because of this? You know, to be honest with you, you'd have to be a fool not to, to see that there's going to be changes, obviously, with, uh, and even mentioned by the education minister saying that we need to use this as a guideline to change our thought process in the education system. This is going to be the way a restaurateur see, you know, business going forward. And um, you know, obviously you see the, the growth in delivery and takeout. And you know me, I'm a foodie, so I love sitting in a restaurant, as I know you do, trying to, you know, enjoying a lovely dinner out with family and friends and that's a great part of our, our that process and that, that timeline. But the reality is, is that, you know, this uh, is going to change our industry and uh, we need to make sure that uh, we try to, you know, keep those abilities there for, for customers to be able to come back in the restaurant. But I can see for, you know, down the road, uh, temporary, temporary changes could possibly turn into permanent ones. Sean, all the best to you and your members. Take care. Thanks, Al. Sean Jeffrey, Executive Director of the Manitoba Restaurant Association, uh, booze you can now pick up and or or very soon uh, we just heard the news from sean uh, booze pickup and delivery will be allowed at restaurants in the province of manitoba uh, joining us on the phone now the owner of pet value i think uh, actually cassandra mcleod uh, first of all good afternoon hi how are you Excellent. Thanks for doing this. I guess you own, plug your, because I think you guys are doing a great job, and I'll get into this in a moment. You own the pet value over here at 200 Meadowood Drive by my place. That's where we go. What other ones do you own? Uh, yeah, we also own the store at uh, 50 Sage Creek Boulevard, um, the store on Taylor Avenue, and um, the store out in Selkirk as well. Okay, so the other day uh, we, we had to run out and grab a couple things, and, and Hershey, our, our 16-year-old, uh, wiener dog basset hound cross uh, okay. has uh, she's a cutie and uh, she gets a, a certain type of canned dog food so we went out and i said listen jackie get a month's worth so we're not going out all the time right we're all trying to stay home more 
And so we walked, well, I pulled up and Jackie walked into your store and I'm kind of watching and I'm going, well, what's going on in there? Explain what you are doing during this pandemic at your stores. And I understand this is at all pet values, right, Cassandra? Yeah, so this is at uh, all pet value stores um, across the country. We started what we're calling a guided shopping experience. Uh, We started it last Friday. Um, So just to ensure the safety of our customers, of our staff, and to try and create the most sterile shopping uh, experience for our customers, what we're doing is we're limiting the amount of people that can come into the store to two, uh, maybe three, depending on the size of the store. We sort of have a taped-off area at the front, what we're you know, kind of calling our VIP area, and we're asking that customers um, come in two at a time so we can manage the six-foot um, distance between customers and staff. They can wait up at the front of the store, and our staff can approach and ask what they need, and we'll, we are actually going and getting the product for you. Um, if there's um, a litter or a canned food, you can't really remember the type, we have no problem bringing some stuff forward, letting you make your selections, and then one at a time people can go to the till. We're cleaning our front counter, the debit machine between each customer, as well as cleaning down all the door handles and any of sort of the traffic areas anyone might touch. Um, And it just allows us to really sort of step up our hygiene regime in the store um, between each customer and control how many people are coming in um, to really help out our staff uh, just to maintain some, some safety and especially the cleaning. Well, good for you, first of all. And when Jackie came out of your store, somebody was right behind her and, not right behind her, you know, a couple meters away, but was behind her and wiping the doors down, the handles and everything. And so Jackie told me this and I thought, wow, that's, that really is going above and beyond because as I do this show, I see text messages, I get emails. Uh, from people that say, oh, such and such a store is not doing a great job, or this store is not doing a great job, which may or may not be the case. But you are doing a great job, and so that's why I wanted to get you on for a few minutes. So did this come down from Pet Value Head Office kind of to all of you, or or where did this come from? Because it really is above and beyond what, what is required and what many others are doing. Yeah, we've had uh, a ton of wonderful support from our Pet Value corporate head office. So from when this all started about two weeks ago, we have a daily um, communications that come out with any sort of updates about the best practices, the ways we can keep everybody safe and different changes in procedures. So this came out last Friday. Um, it came out in the morning. All stores uh, the day before knew that that's how we were going to start processing our customer sales on Friday. Everyone um, was happy to get on board and it was nice to just know that we have some direction and have some support we were given signage um, any questions conference calls we were sort of all put in the loop with corporate and they've just done a really good job at helping us um, to be able to keep our doors open because a lot of people like you said have to feed their pets certain food and they can only get it from our stores um, whether it's allergies or you know certain protein blends a a certain brand so it is considered essential for pet parents and we just want to be able to stay open stay open but also keep everyone safe yeah, well, listen, you're doing a great job. Keep it up, Cassandra. Oh, thanks. thanks a lot for coming on and, and telling us about it. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for uh, wanting to chat with me. Yeah, Cassandra McLeod, she's the owner of uh, a few pets, uh, pet values in town, but uh, the one here in my neighborhood, 200 uh, Meadowood Drive, right beside my buddy Marcello. Marcello's meets there. Uh, Jackie usually goes in and gets the dog food, and I go in and get the uh, the meat. So there you go. Anyhow, they're doing it right is the point of uh, having the conversation uh, with Cassandra. 
Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.